when Chris Armas is fired, Gabriel Aitza is fired, and Phil Neville has his phone turned off, it's That's So MLS! <laughs> Nice. A North American soccer Ooh. podcast with myself, Andrew Bates, and Nick Thornton. <laughs> Hello. Nick, how are you? Uh, well, I'm doing better than those three gentlemen you just mentioned, that's for sure. <laughs> how are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, I, uh, I am slightly more um, uh, fortunate with the time zones when it comes to... Um, the Tokyo 2020 Olympics, right? Of course, yeah. Which have uh, not, which were were the soccer tournament started today as we speak, um, on the 22nd or no, on the 21st. It's just we're, we're after midnight here in uh, here in in New Brunswick, and uh, I stayed up. I, I woke up early to to catch Canada versus Japan. At this point, is it woke up or stayed up? Well, <laughs> just awake. <laughs> I was awake. I I pulled myself out of bed and blearily put together the live stream and loaded the live stream as players were celebrating Christine Sinclair's uh, six minute goal. Nice, which was a, a tremendous uh, playing to herself. Uh, she hits the post and gets her own rebound. Hey, that's still a legal move. Lethal. Um, quite liked it. Uh, Canada looked especially right off the, the, the hop, um, a little bit better. I'd say that you'd seen them in recent friendlies and at the She Believes Cup. Um, not that they looked, you know, terrible through that time, but I think that anybody that had seen a bunch of those would think this is a team that needs to score goals. Yeah. So, you know, everybody comes, everybody comes into that thinking, um, wow, we've, we scored a goal. It's pretty good. I would say that they let off a little in the um, in the in the remainder of the first half. Japan came back a little bit in the second. There was that weird thing where um, Steph Labe uh, conceded a penalty and also got taken out of the game at the same time, um, right? While colliding with a player in the that was attacking and in just the range of of Labe to. Uh, get rocked, concede the penalty, cry, recover, save the penalty, make a double save on the ensuing play, and then come off because it's like, oh, I'm actually very injured. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, absolute warrior out there in that one. Um, and so I hope that, uh, I hope she's okay. Um, in, in Canada, eventually, um, in the 84th minute, I believe, uh, conceded to 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 get the draw. I almost think if you look at where the two teams were, mm-hmm. it's not. I mean, like like because of that issue, you know, can Canada score goals and 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 where you know Japan being the host, it's like I'm not entirely thinking that coming out of, coming away from the Japan match with a point is bad. Um, but it's not, no. you know. But I think people have rightly pointed out that you know we're probably not seeing this uh, the Canadian side playing their best soccer yet. Like no. the the pieces are there and the potential is there, and certainly a lot of issues um, are are getting worked out. But in terms of it all coming together as the final product and being a really um, threatening attacking team, yeah, th- th- there's certainly more to go. But I agree. I don't I don't think this is by any means a, a poor result for them. 
Do you know who had a worse time than me waking up time? at than me waking up at seven thirty local time? Uh, fans of the U.S. Women's National Team woke up at four thirty um, and and saw their team lose three nothing to Sweden. Oops. For the first time, and I think uh, ending, I think a forty-four match on beaten streak. Oh, so that was a momentous, you know, I think surprise for everyone involved with uh, with two goals um, from Blackstenius, who you would uh, recognize, you would remember from our uh, the Canadian exit to Sweden during the Women's World Cup. Mm-hmm. Um. So that was quite the, that was, I got a chance to, I got a chance to catch some of that too. And, you know, just, um, a scattered performance from the U S who doesn't do that quite often. And, uh, a quite good performance, um, from Sweden and Stina Blackstenius, who, uh, the, that team is only improving, uh, from their, uh, from the performance in the world cup. Mm-hmm. It seems like they find, seem to have found an awful lot of space on the U.S. Um, and, yeah, the U.S. has certainly been choking up the goals this year a little bit more than we've seen in the past. So as we as we, as we we go into that um, with Canada uh, playing on the 24th and in uh, the 27th, it's, uh, it's going to be um, – it seems like this is going to be a spicy tournament. I don't – yeah, you certainly at halftime were thinking, this is a team that maybe can get back in the in in the in the medal contention, and then at the end of the game you were thinking you're 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 back to the drawing board. So n- mm-hmm. nothing is certainly nothing is determined at this time. Nothing is uh, nothing is final. But um, I no, gotta and, tell and you, let's not let's never count uh, the U.S. women's team out. Um, you know, and certainly we've seen them bounce back from from not so great performances before. But it's certainly uh, maybe we're not in full panic mode. But there's one or two uh, klaxons going off. So I'm, but I'm thinking. You know, I'm a big. Um, I'm not necessarily like as really keyed into the rest of the Olympics, including the men's tournament. To be honest, especially because of like the challenges that they're having putting on the tournament in in yeah. Uh, in Japan, but uh, with COVID and and trying to, after after what seems like over a year of tempering their pandemic response, um, because they wanted to seem like they could still put the Olympics on, and and causing problems in their in the country for that. Now they're trying desperately to actually keep control of the tournament with with players getting it and and nations coming in that all have varying vaccine status yeah well and you just think yeah like that that's just wild to me and i'm not saying that like athletes should be prioritized over general population but it just sort of seems like any easy benchmark you would have put in place for like putting this on safely just seemed to have been thrown out in favor of (laughs) just making it happen um, and we kind of said this about like the when the MLS's back tournament was was getting underway and there was all these problems happening. And it was like, you know, at a certain point, <laughs> can we just maybe call it a day and admit that this is not the time to do this? But of course, <laughs> that was a, a little different. That was still relatively early days of the pandemic and how naive we were then. But 
Yeah, I agree. I think my engagement with it is I obviously want to support the Canadian women's national team and the rest of it. It just it's sort of like watching a bit of a train wreck. And I don't want to take anything away from those athletes that are competing, but also uh, I just don't have the emotional fortitude to put myself (laughs) through that. All those sporting broadcasts that start with how many people got sick that day as a result of just setting up that sporting event. But if you Not are, into it. if in in if you are a a woe so fan, if I if you look, if you are the the particular sort of uh, uh, unique individual such as myself that sees this the the Olympics mainly as a women's soccer tournament. This is yeah. I, I, you could say that I have a little bit of that the Olympic fever, if only for this one competition. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's okay. You know. Also, the yeah. Netherlands beat Zambia three ten today. Midema got Vivian Midema got uh, four goals. How about that? Oof. Wow. Um. So that has been uh, that has been a big part of my. Uh, my soccer universe today also uh, announced the Vancouver Whitecaps are going to be making their return to Vancouver. Yep. Um, it's not a hundred percent sure uh, like when late they're going. August, I think, isn't it? Yeah, when they're going to be able to play, but they're going to start training. Right. There was there was confirm there was there was the suggestion that they can't use BC Place in July because BC the the stadium is is rented out for the the wings and wizards uh uh sort of like interactive uh fantasy experience and like a dungeons and dragons extremely and? not harry potter thing and what's and, the point and what sounds great all <laughs> right well yeah, I think that you know we really got a soccer can take a soccer can take a backseat to Wings and Wizards on this one. Um, and you uh, know whoever whoever got there first, I will say one silver lining. Well, I mean obviously it's a silver lining to the Whitecaps to be able to come back to their home city and their home stadium, but it also means that they will not be playing Austin quite so soon. So they're very congested. One uh, game every three or four days schedule opens up a little bit and it looks like they'll be now playing Austin uh in September not also in July. Extremely helpful. Uh if you um Wings of Wizards just sounds like it's Dungeons and Dragons or fake Harry Potter. Uh so if you were in Dungeons and Dragons had to put uh you and two Vancouver Whitecaps players in your uh, mm. in your party which which two are you picking? Well, I'm picking Dahome because I just feel like he's, you know, he's feisty, he's committed, and you never know quite exactly what he's going to do. So that that's, I feel like, a, a good fun factor. Um, and I just feel like Jake Nerwinski would be into it. Ah! Yeah, okay, that's a, that's a, that's a good read for me. I, who, would, I, who would you pick? I would go with that. Um, well... Assuming that we're not going to be, uh, assuming that like I'm not saying like who would you play Dungeons and Dragons with. I'm saying who would be in your in your, in your party. So I would pick Russell Tybert. Mm-hmm. I would think that maybe if you were playing Dungeons and Dragons with him, he might be somebody who argues with the GM. <laughs> um, but I'm gonna go with Tybert, and 
Dahomey was a good pick. Thank you. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit sad at how quickly that came to me. <laughs> I haven't thought about this before. I swear. I was. I'll go with. Uh, um... Oh, Toss Ricketts is for sure got to be playing some D and D. I yeah, don't know. Tybert and Ricketts. I think Ricketts Ty- would be great. Yeah. Ricketts would probably do all the voices. I feel like he would. You know. I realize I just basically changed the parameters of my own question. Um, so that <laughs> that happened. Um, uh, so, the, so the Whitecaps uh, are returning in some uh, respects back to Canada. Um, but the other two Canadian teams uh, were both able to have their first matches uh, back in the home confines this weekend. Uh, one of them was... Well, I mean, like, I, I guess for Toronto, this whole, this, this, everything feels like a little bit of a reset. Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely. With, with, you know, being able for, to their season with being able to go back in front of the home fans and having Josie Altidore. Josie's back and there's gonna be trouble. Hey, nah, hey, nah. Josie's back. <laughs> and he scores <laughs> too. And he scores. That's the thing. Like, the thing with Josie Altidore, I know that it's like any talismanic forward that has injury problems, right? Sometimes (laughs) Sometimes you can wonder, like, should we be moving past this person? This person is, like, like, can they still perform to the level that they need to perform? But I think that then and now, it's just simply a fact about... Toronto that that Josie has done the business for them. Um, yeah, in, throughout his career, you wouldn't necessarily profile him as that kind of player that that is. I mean, he's certainly been a journeyman and, and been around in various leagues, but Toronto really has kind of become his home. And and we saw that when, as we've seen many times through injury, when he's not there, it's a very different Toronto side. Yeah, I was just, absolutely so. It feels like it felt like a little bit of inevitability when he headed home. Um, unfortunately, that was not the 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 decider as Nani had a penalty and uh, and was able to hit Bono but still score. Yeah, Bono was just sort of going the other way and then sticks a hand out the right way and gets just a few fingers on it, but it still went in. It was an okay game, but I mean, most of the action came after the 70th minute. It was a pretty uh, sort of... Um, straightforward affair for much of the game not not a ton of chances i think a, a point each is probably fair um they've also but you know, t- they've toronto's also... now one win and and uh and one draw with uh no chris armis so not a bad record so far that's true and they drew uh tonight in new, uh against new york also at bumo field yes yeah and we should let people know that you'll probably be hearing this uh thursday or friday of this week so the the th- Wednesday, Thursday games won't be included, but we'll get to them next time, eventually, somehow. Yes. There's just always soccer happening, and you got to draw a dividing line. There's at so some much. Point. There's so much. Uh, the other game that happened last weekend in Canada was a, a slightly different affair. <laughs> just, just a little bit. Look, Montreal. You're not in. You're not in MLS until you can score four goals and still lose the game. Oh my God. Just two, 
two big two goal leads uh, Cincinnati took in this five four loss to Montreal on the seventeenth. Uh, Which, as it was going on, I was watching uh, another game. Maybe it was the the Whitecaps game, but I was thinking. Like, oh, man, that's just back and forth, isn't it? Like, they're just swapping goals. And then when I actually went and caught up on things, and I was like, wait, no. You're telling me Cincinnati had a two-goal lead twice? A two-goal lead in the first 14 minutes. (laughs) Yeah. I I love this quote from from Nancy after the game. He just says, like, call me crazy, but I loved every second of it. And I'm like, yeah, you've been been in MLS a while. You. And and watching him celebrate those last two Montreal goals, he's just you could tell he was basically just a fan on the edge of his seat, just willing his team forward. But um you know, not a bad look from Cincinnati for a couple of phases. Madunian scores first. Um but I sh- like we should say right off the bat, Cincinnati Cincinnati looked very flat and very compact in this game. And not compact in a good way, like clustered around the ball leaving tons of players open. That seemed to be the case early on, which would become a theme. However, it didn't matter so much when Madun Union scored. And then just a brutal mistake from uh, Pantamis of Montreal. And he, he just wrong foots it, and Brenner is able to pounce and steal it to make it 2-0. I kind of feel... So it's true that Pantamis bobbles it when the ball is passed back to him. I have a little bit of... Uh, I I don't I have a little bit of blame to give to the defender, who seemingly passes it back without looking. Yeah, I mean it's it's not a great ball back to the to the goalkeeper for sure. Um, and I don't think he's necessarily expecting it. So, yeah, it's a it's maybe a little bit harsh on Pantamis, but you know he's he's also got to be aware too. He's got to know that he's one of the players that his defender could pass to. Um. And I mean, it's just an, a very opportunistic pounce from um, from Brenner. But then <laughs> that doesn't last long uh, because Mason Toy scores a great, just sort of f- jumping forward header. Um, kind of reminded me of some Robin Van Persie goals, not quite as throwing your entire body forward. But he's able to get on one from a lap line and cross, and it's only twenty minutes in, and now it's two one. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of that's a lot to take in. Yeah, like as the twenty minute ticks over, Toy scores <laughs> Montreal's goal. It's just uh it's it's not a great look and, and Montreal as well just giving so much time and space when they don't need to. Um it just again, they can be such a as we see in this game, such an attacking force, but defensively just just not aware and not closing players down, and that's what allows Cincinnati to get on top of this twice. I I loved in uh, 13 minutes after that goal, um, Victor Wanyama just barrels straight up the center of the field. Yeah. And I just loved it because it seemed like such a ramrod play because he gets up there and he takes the shot on goal it doesn't really seem like a particularly like good shot. The keeper it, it hits the keeper in the center in, uh, of his body. The keeper hits up and it's pretty easily, but it bounces out. It does its job in that um, being sort of like a a, a point blank, uh, you know, um, battering ram of a shot. 
it uh, it bounces off to Torres, who is able mm-hmm. to score it. And in a way, or like I just appreciated the way that that wasn't the cleanest setup to that goal, but it like it it created the goal as much as anything. And Montreal's been good at that. I mean, we've just sort of broadly called it chaos before, but they're a dynamic team. They can score goals in different ways. And I think a lot of MLS clubs are are very passive in their defending and, and ready for things to come down the wings fast and know that they're going to have to close down crosses in the box um, or set up good walls on free kicks. But I don't think they're necessarily ready for players to be playing through the middle, nor for a center back to just go, you know, for a, a 50 <laughs> or 60 yard run through the middle. Um, and Montreal has been able to capitalize on teams before where they're just, they're not expecting such direct play. And it doesn't always work for Montreal because we also see them get caught out by it. But it's it's not a bad way to keep your opponents on their feet. No. If you if all of a sudden now you need one of your center mids marking Wanyama, then the you know that frees up another player or two. Absolutely. Uh, before the the half is able to go away, you get Cincinnati pulling up three two to Valencia. Uh, a, tipping in a Barreal free kick. And yep. then in first half stoppage time, Brenner gets a second. Uh, just, I felt that, that Montreal's defense just all out, of, all uh, over the place um, with the defender uh, just like trying to keep up with the play. Just the, the defender who's marking the, the attacking runner from Cincinnati just falling over. <laughs> Yeah, which you yeah, know. and 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 that is unfortunately a, a sight we've seen with Montreal in the last couple of years, where players are just caught wrong-footed, or you know they're slipping around. I know some of the surfaces aren't the best, but it is theirs, <laughs> so it's it's not a great look to be caught flat-footed and then like turn, realizing you're caught out, and then just slip. So um, it happens, but it's not a good look. So Rudy Camacho falls. Uh, Barreal passes to Brenner in the center. And somehow we've we've uh, reached halftime four two. Yeah, totally normal. That's how <laughs> games work in this league, apparently. <laughs> well, and then the the drama continues because, of course, it's not just going to be an exchange of goals. It's got it. We've got to have more drama to it. Uh, Vermeer from Cincinnati cleans out Mason Toy. They give him a PK. Vermeer gets a yellow on this. I'm not so sure. I th- I mean. For me, I guess maybe it's not an obvious goal-scoring opportunity. He's a little bit left to the goal, I think. But I, I think Vermeer was lucky to stay on from this one. Um, Mason Toy takes, stutters, and scores that PK to make it 4-3. Ahmed Hamdi scores his first of the season, Dan, to tie it up two minutes later. Yeah, and um, just chaos in the box. Low balls coming in. Poor clearances. He's there, grabs the equalizer. Joaquin Torres is is switching directions, and and I just love one particular little play. I love that Torres does here is is the slick kind of play where a player has changed. In this case, he changes directions, and he's now running at speed, and the ball is running ahead of him. And you yeah. don't really think of it. You don't really think of it as the pa- as a pass. The ball. He's just sort of nudged the ball a couple of feet ahead of him as any player would when they run. But all of a sudden, the ball is at the feet of Ahmed Hamdi, 
who is able to score the tying goal. Mm-hmm. And then it's just another poor clearance. Montreal's just getting the ball in the box and just spraying the uh, spraying the goal. Um, and it's the the poor, the poor clearance from a free kick, which then lands to Hamdi again, who scores again. Montreal take all three points. Came on as a substitute in the 57th minute, scored his first two goals this season. Pretty good way to do it. Yeah, a brace not, is not, not, not a bad <laughs> showing. Um, and, you know, I it's like you don't want to kick Cincinnati when they're down because if there's any Cincinnati fans that do listen to this show, guys, I'm sorry. Like, we <laughs> think you've seen us dig pretty deep and try to have something of substance to say about this side, but... It's just irredeemable to me at this point. It's just so laughably bad to be coughing up these goals. I mean, uh, the attack obviously can be devastating at points, but it it really uh, spreads them thin and and leaves them vulnerable. And and just to be coughing up such huge scorelines again, uh, it's just got to be so painful as a fan to see that it, it just seems like no matter what this team does defensively, um, it's just a mess, but it, it's as a as a team on the pitch, it's a mess, <laughs> you know. Like stringing some passes together and getting some opportunities on goal is great, but for so much of this game, you see eight white shirts all glommed around three Montreal players, leaving everyone else open, and it's like if you, you have to be able to pressure players in a little bit more of an effective way, um, or you're just going to be caught out time and time again, which they were. Um, I guess the one nice thing that I could say about this season is that, that I, de- I genuinely do think that they're more dangerous on attack than we've seen in past years. Some of the, some of oh, the undoubtedly, some of the 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 doldrum that you see in Cincinnati in past years is when they're getting blown out and and um, conceding lots and not really feeling like they're going to score. And, and this is a far more chaotic. <laughs> Cincinnati, where they can, like you said, go out, score four, and lose. Well, the yeah, and the crazy thing is, like, they're eleventh in the league um, for points and for goals for. Um, so that it's not they're not in wooden spoon contention. Well, I guess they're still in wooden spoon contention, but you know they're they're better off than they have been at various points. Um, but then when we switch it for goals conceded, <laughs> um, they are second. To uh to last, and only Toronto has conceded more goals, which seven of which happened in the last game uh, a couple games ago. So it's still just it's the you know yes they've got the goals coming, but I mean you can't be a serious team in this league without being able to to button things up at the back a little. So you had um in Toronto you had this as we discussed this this strange feud that it seemed to build up where all of a sudden Josie Altador was out of training and, and the, the coach insisted that he was doing it for very good reasons. And then um, uh, all of a sudden the coach was out and, and Altador was back in. And then in Atlanta, we had, you know, the player that had been gone almost, you know, most of last season, Josie, or sorry, Joseph Martinez, um, relegated to training away, uh, to trading away from the team, and 
manager Gabriel Ainsa saying, uh, I have very good reasons. I'm clear on what the reasons are. Being very clear that he wasn't injured. There was no problem. He was trying to do it, I guess, for for um, for the reasons of, of, I guess, trying to teach a lesson or what. We, we still don't particularly know. Uh, but we well, do because know... he also didn't tell the team either. So the team wasn't given any reason as to why Joseph Martinez was training away from them or why he wasn't with the team. Which, you know, as a coaching tactic is not amazing, but it's certainly something, like, <laughs> as we've seen recently, it happens. But anyway, go ahead. As uh, as Dirty South Soccer, as Rob Usry said, uh, if, you come at the, if you come at the king, you best not miss. Yeah. And... If you, uh, if you put it in a situation in Atlanta where it's me or Joseph Martinez, it's not going to be you. Well, especially if it's not helping you win games. And this game against New England, although certainly not Atlanta's worst performance of the year, uh, Gustavo Bo gets a goal relatively early on in this match, and that is the final scoreline, the one nothing loss. This whole game was just so aimless and just crying out for Joseph Martinez. I loved there was a fan with a Martinez jersey on, just a paper bag over his head, sitting uh, <laughs> quite near the Atlanta bench. I liked that. But the so the crazy thing to me is like there's that. So Joseph Martinez, your most your team's most prolific scorer has has not even been on the bench for several games and is training you're, away from the team. You're winless at eight. You're winless in eight. You're facing a, you're facing the league leaders, um, and you <laughs> and they lost. Um, and they they needed that goal out that goal scoring outlet. And you you just think like, of course, Martinez is is primed to to score an important goal and at least scrape you a, a much needed point. Um, Atlanta just allowing a ton of time and space in this game and just continuing to make mistakes. But that's not the reason why they fired Heinze, which is the just most insane thing to me about this whole story. Yeah, we in in one of those. It's one of those things where obviously this is one of the things that creates smoke. But sometimes a, a manager gets fired, and you hear a tumble of of stories from inside the club. Felipe Cardenas of the uh, of the Athletic reports. Um, well, in a story from the Athletic, the Atlanta Journal Constitution reports that the union had filed a, a grievance with the league on, uh, quote on behalf of Atlanta United players because of multiple infractions related to the team's training schedules. Um, which also included, which also the athletic reports that Atlanta was fined by the league because of the grievance and Einstein was a, aware of the grievance and ignored it. <laughs> and the fine. And and I just <sighs> according to Fox Sports, um, he had the some of the demands on the players included that that he and his staff denied players water during training, and the team's medical staff had to step in, um, trying to mimic the the system of water breaks that have taken place during a game. So not allowing players in training water outside of the water breaks. Um, with two, you know, uh, athletic quotes, a, a piece from in June after Emerson Hyman tore his ACL saying 
They broke him. They're killing the guys with two practices a day. The staff haven't given a day off in weeks. Yeah. It just... You know, I know that there's a lot of people that think, like, with the attitude of, like, well, you know, it it takes hard men to to make hard choices and and get the results. But, like, this is bullying i mean it's also breaking labor codes so it's technically technically illegal as well yeah your um, your 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 agreement with the union yes and, but like i'm just i'm so glad he's gone um but it it just goes to show that you know that the reputations that that follow some of these guys around are, are really not for the right reasons and we idolize these bully type figures that you know, it's the the classic quote unquote. You know, the, they they well, they just speak what's on their mind, and never mind uh, who it damages. <laughs> um, and and they disregard the rules. Well, the rules are there for a reason, and it's to protect players. And I mean, you have to look at Atlanta's front office and think, well, okay, the Frank DeBoer signing obviously did not work out, but at least the guy was a human being. But how do you? I mean, I guess, like, how do you interview for that kind of thing? But, like, how do you have that happening on your training ground, happening under your nose, and and be okay with it? Um, And and just the gall of of these types of figures to think that they're above the rules, they're above the law, and, you know, and I know a lot of them probably be like, well, that's what I had to do when I was a player. It's like, well... (laughs) Yeah, the times have changed, and also, like, look at the number of careers that ended because of easily preventable injuries. It's a a different game, and we have more awareness around this stuff, and and it's important. And to be endangering the health of players... And, like, here's the thing. It would be crazy under normal times, but given there's a pandemic going on, like, (laughs) just... It's unconscionable. Awful behavior and, and the exact wrong thing for the team, you know, just you can say, oh, well, exactly what you said. How do you how do you be a coach who preaches discipline and then just say, oh, I'm going to ignore my fine? You yeah. know, how do you tell your players you have to you have to follow my orders? You have to do you have to. uh um you have to play by my book and then in, I don't know, in view of the players or not to turn around and say, but I don't have to fall. I don't have to do that. Yeah. Exactly. Not for me though. Yeah. And it's just the, the audacity of these, these toxic figures. Um, and unfortunately people idolize them in the game, you know, like it, it was, it I'll was... save my soapbox Mourinho rant for another platform, but like, that that's how that's why it happens because we we idolize you know these these tough figures um but we don't think about the effects that they're actually having on people until something like this happens and and comes out and it's clear like even if you don't care about player safety at all it also doesn't even yield you results like that's the crazy thing all all these coaches like yeah and look what have they won lately <laughs> it one of the things in, in in people are really talking, I think, about the the leadership at the club above him as well. Um, yeah. You know, there have been there have been you know reports about some of the challenges involving Carlos Bocanegra, and it'll be interesting, I guess, to see how how that goes because 
Atlanta had this with the with essentially the same upper management as they have now. They had this this reputation in you know this was MLS 3.0. This was a franchise that knew how to win and was determined to win, and they had the winning mentality. And is it possible that they just lucked into the right coach at mm-hmm. the beginning, and then? <laughs> Just had the right coach at the right time, and and you've got somebody who, who you have management kind of above that that person saying, "I also have the answers." You know, you have a coach, you have a coach that's em- empowered to say that I'm the I alone can fix this because you have upper management above them that also feel that way. Well, and they're lucky that Joseph Martinez is being the professional that he is because in an interview after the coach firing, he basically just takes the high road and doesn't say much about Einza at all or why he was training away from the team and just sort of says, uh, as a leader in a face of this club, I have to be professional and support my teammates on and off the field. Um, and then he even went so far as to say, I want to retire here. I love this club. Like, I think they, you know, the club owes a lot to the fan base for supporting Joseph Martinez so much because... I mean, I wouldn't fault him for having a pretty sour taste in his mouth for the team. That's true. After after something like this, and be looking around, and you know, and players say stuff like that sometimes. But you you feel like Martinez is a guy that is also not going to hold back, and he's going to say what he genuinely believes. He's obviously a passionate person. Um, Atlanta's lucky to have him, and um, I, I feel like if there's a way forward, you you really have to rally around that now. That that's your through line. That's your cause. That's your your rallying point to get back into this season. Um, no matter who's in charge, Joseph Martinez needs to be on the field, and he needs to be that leader that's respected by the coach in the same way he is by the team. He's the man, and he he is is Atlanta is lucky to have him, and MLS is lucky to have him. You know. Absolutely. And the fact that he actually wants to stay in the league, like, we're all going to benefit from that. <laughs> I mean, I should say, like, I feel a little bit nervous about just not knowing at all why he was made to be made to train away from the team because, like, stuff happens. But it also feels like, given the stuff that's come out about the training methods and things like that, that it's, you know, it's highly possible it's not a great reason um, or a very legitimate one. So the next, you know, person uh, I I did a pre- I did enjoy, you know, because we all love a laugh here. Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal Constitution tweeted, "A person familiar with Frank DeBoer, and I'm being serious, said he would be glad to return to Atlanta United in the, the MLS." So one hat is in the ring. <laughs> well, lucky them. That's the biggest. You know, um, oh yeah, I would love to be in a Marvel movie <laughs> if I get the call from Marvel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, sure. <laughs> I'm not doing anything. <laughs> yeah, I just got I just got bounced from the Euros. Yeah, the I'm next free. the 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 next manager who thought they were coming to MLS to launder their reputation. Um, <laughs> maybe having some problems with that. Phil Neville's Inter Miami have been having such a rough time of it. They uh, have not won a game since uh, May against Chicago. Since then, they they lost three nothing to DC. 
They lost one nothing games against Montreal and DC again. They lost two one to my uh, to Orlando, and they just tonight dropped five nothing to New England. And uh, my giggle came from the fact that they also got let off the hook a bit because tonight's game was actually postponed from the other night, so they actually had a couple of days extra rest um, because of a storm in the area so they kind of got a, a redo on this one but boy did things not go in their favor we'll dive into that actual game more uh next time but just we wanted to mention it because i have a feeling that by the time you hear this film neville may not work in mls anymore i just you, i don't know i don't you you know i've i've made my opinion very clear i thought he was awful for um the England women's national team. I think that he should never have been picked for that role. The the idea that he was going to come in here and and uh and really be able and really be like a top coach or a top talent was laughable to me, and it is uh, it is proven to be laughable. Um, with the four four goals in the first half. Yeah. Uh, all in a all in a row. Um, rough. <laughs> it's it, it is it is rough, and and not a team that looks at any point like a team really. I mean, early on in the season, there was definitely points, but kind of similar to Cincinnati is there's there's no real shape. There doesn't seem to be a formation. People don't really know their roles. There doesn't be, seem to be a clear marking system. There's no clear ideas going forward. Like. There's such an old boys club of some of these, you know, a certain quote-unquote pedigree of coach. And it's like, look at the top four teams in MLS right now. What do they all have in common? Coaches with deep MLS experience. Mm. Stop trying to sign these vanity signings and, you know, a a big name that is going to draw people in. Like, no one cares who the coach is if you're losing all the time. Get a good coach. You know, get somebody that you that actually knows the game. And I, you can't help but feel sometimes that, you know, MLS front offices and um, the, even the league themselves sometimes just get taken for a ride by these guys that really don't have much of a resume but come in and are just boasting their name and uh, crash and burn rather quickly. Um, some of the other games that I was interested in, I liked uh, Columbus versus New York City. Uh, really tight angle from Darlington Nagby uh, scoring on an individual run down the right. Uh, Jesus Medina ties it up with a uh, a strike where, for some reason, everybody is just stock still as well as this is happening. Do they think the he's gonna in the house? <laughs> do they think he's gonna pass? <clears throat> I don't know what exactly they think Jesus Medina is gonna do, except take that one, and uh, that's what he did. And then Lucas Celerayan with a tremendous free kick. He only scores bangers, that man. <laughs> Every goal. Like, he, he's sort of hot and cold, right? Like, sometimes you don't hear much about him. But, man, when he's on, he is on. You yeah, had... great result from Columbus, who've been a little, little, little bit up and down. A little shaky. Uh, Nashville, Chicago. Uh... Hani Mukhtar hat trick. Look, 
if you're going to do a hat trick, I say just get it all out of the way in a 20-minute stretch. Like, don't – why run for 90 minutes scoring three goals when you could just do it in 20 minutes? It should be noted, very unfortunately for Chicago, who we're just talking about is, you know, starting to, to maybe look like they've found their gears, um, their head coach – Raphael Wicke had to uh, go to Europe for some personal reasons. I think somebody close in uh, the family is in ill health. Uh, our thoughts are with him. So, But unfortunate that he was away for this game. And Chicago really looked like they needed a head coach and someone uh, calling the shots because 20 minutes in, Mukhtar just hits them. Um Chicago looked pretty rattled um early on and it's just an early giveaway that seems to set the tone for the fire here. Um I was I was uh, saying I was saying the Montreal defender that passed back to Pantamis uh messed up. Uh Kappelhoff messed up way more here. Yeah, it's it's not a good look. He he gets pantsed by uh Mukhtar um just dancing through defenders and curling those first two goals in just Really, really fantastic effort, um, you know, and, and so that that's going on. But then Kapelhoff drags down Sapong as well, another mistake that he makes, and he sees red. And then Mukhtar takes that ensuing free kick, and at precisely 15 minutes and 28 seconds, he has his hat trick. <laughs> that's And his first goal was at 10. Yeah, yeah, it's it's absurd. It's just absurd. Sapong, and, and sh- sorry? No, go ahead. I was going to say, you were right. It's absolutely absurd. Like, just just absurd about... So, 10, 13, 16. <laughs> Does not waste time that way. Look, if you're going to be one thing, you should be efficient. Um, and then Sapong managed to get, manages to get one of his own, makes it four before the half. Chicago is literally just falling down everywhere on the pitch. Like, just... <laughs> Like, I expected to be hear the, hearing them just scream out, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I feel for them it's a tough tough week for the team. Um, I will say this. Technically, technically, Chicago did play better once Kapelhoff was sent off. So, um, <laughs> oh, no. is that too mean? Is that too mean? Because um, the... Despite it being four nil, um, Alceda does draw one back for um, for Chicago, and then Anunga just is the right man in the right place. I hadn't said his name in a while, and I, I've been a big fan of his um, since he's kind of stepped onto the scene. And he just blasts one from midfield and makes this one five one. Wow, that's a that's a, that's a result that's challenging for uh, for Chicago. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things that's just such a I think a mental hit as well. Um when it, when you're already struggling and obviously their thoughts are are with their coach and um it sounded quite last minute as well, so all of a sudden before this big game against a an, a great team you're without your coach. Um and and things have been tough for Chicago. It's a tough result for them. Um really could have used uh at least a point out of that one. So they're now sitting in 12th, actually below Cincinnati um, in the Eastern Conference. The uh, two nice goals in Colorado, Saint, uh, San Jose. Lopez steps back, takes a shot from the top of the box. Cole Bassett with a nice shot of his own as well from the uh, from just the border of the penalty area. 
on the left on the right hand side um what do you know about uh Matias Almeida's translator getting sent off during this game so I tried to find out more about this and I couldn't really come up with much um I I I think it it seemed to happen in the same exchange where Almeida gets a yellow for something seems like maybe chirping um but then the referee comes over and gives Almeida's translator red and I don't know if that's like did the translator translate what Almeida said in that moment and he was given a red for that or was he given a red for like separate actions like was yeah. he speaking was he speaking for Almeida or for himself in the moment yeah so what's yeah what's the scenario because where the both interpreter... are still weird scenarios like I forget you can literally just send off anyone um in what situation is if it was relaying it's like it must have it must be something that the translator did on their own volition Especially right. if, if it as you say, the, the yellow it's was like, first. Well, you, if you say it in Spanish, it's a yellow. But if you say it back to me in English, you'll be seen red. It's just, I feel like that would be a strange series of events. Possibly that's what happened. But um, I haven't been able to find more about it. Do you, uh, do you think that the translator will be banned for a game? <laughs> I mean, I am, I imagine so. Let's see here. Perhaps I meant to try to find out more about this one because it's just so weird. But all I've been able to find is just stories that are like, this is a thing that happened. Um, the uh, LAFC RSL seemed pretty interesting. RSL um, did. I really liked them in the game. Uh, but unfortunately, it's Carlos Vela with a just outstanding goal from very, very tight angle. Takes it on the half volley. When you, the camera is behind him, it's like he can only see a meter of goal, and somehow yeah. is able to 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 find his way in. Yeah, yeah. I thought um, Raheem Edwards looked really great in this one. He's he's certainly come to life for LAFC, a player that we've talked about a lot, but haven't mentioned as much of as late. Um, LAFC midfield looking really great in this game. Rossi grabs the first one um, through a great little give-and-go. They do get caught themselves, though. Aaron Herrera has a run and hits back, makes it 1-1. There's also this just... I don't know if you saw the PK shout here, but it's for a handball that, for me, is off a defender that's turning away, and it's, like, off his shoulder, practically. But it's given. Vela takes it, but Ochoa makes the save. And I'm thinking, like, well, that's the soccer gods getting even. But <laughs> it, it, at the end of the day, you say, well, you can't say LAFC didn't deserve to win this one with the quality of Vela's strikes. So, I, I, yeah, I thought RSL looked good as well, um, and and played really well against an RSL si- or against an LAFC side that I don't think plays all that dissimilarly from them. Um, but it's it's too bad they couldn't scrape a point out of that one, but. I still think overall RSL is is looking pretty good. They're now sitting in seventh, just above that uh, playoff line. After all the recent doom and gloom involving the Vancouver Whitecaps, um, you know, this was another somehow another game uh, like the Seattle one where you come in and say, how are they possibly going to get a result against the Los Angeles Galaxy? Um, and they came away with the three points, even better than the Seattle game. 
the exact same scenario where it thinks, oh my god, uh, Marco Santos is finished when they win, they lose this game. And uh, and they won it 2-1. Yeah, and overall a, a pretty good performance from the Whitecaps. Again, a very sloppy, slow first half. Um, but then they they fought to get back into it, which I thought was really great but also one of those things that i'm like but but we've seen this before like we we know the white caps can fight back but can we not give up the first goal um but overall first five minutes yeah yeah it's it's just like you know almost in the first attacking phase of play in the game that they concede which is frustrating um and it should be noted that, like, Greg Vanny's L.A. side was pretty shorthanded. Uh, they were certainly missing some key players, although um, through the Gold Cup action. But that being said, you know, so were the Whitecaps. We were that were without Cavallini. So um, I, I think the two teams were fairly evenly matched. But And the uh, starting goalkeeper. Yeah, that's true as well. Yeah, right, Chris Kripoa's way. So, all right, all right, all right. But Galaxy was also, like, they're missing Chicharito and a few key other players. Um, but it, a really important three points um, from them, and then most love, recently... Love Diverse goal, by the way. Yes, yes. You know, and I know that, you know, Caicedo's kind of been quiet at times. He's certainly always a good player and showing attacking threat. Really great to see him get the goal in that one. It's like on the volley, on a rebound. Yeah, yeah. Real good finish. Um, and then we played Houston last night, and uh, no notes because nothing really happened. Um, the <laughs> very quote, f- sorry, the, go ahead. The quote from the Whitecaps account. <laughs> Did you see this? Oh yeah, <laughs> the, the Whitecaps. This game, I have been honestly so out of it with the NBA Finals uh, that, that I didn't really realize that the deciding game was happening until I looked at my Twitter. With ten minutes left in the game, people are are freaking out on Twitter, and it's like, "Oh, is something happening? Is something, what's happening?" And it turned out it was against the NBA Finals, and it's true. There was not a lot in the the nil nil draw. No shots in goal from either team in the first half. Uh, the oh, is it gone? No, it's still there. If you watched this instead of the finals, you're sick in the head. My kind of sick in the head. I love you. Good night from the official Twitter account. Love it. Protect that tweeter at all costs. What a yeah. What a terrible. Th- what a te- what a, what a time they've had to go through this season. I think the Whitecaps are smart enough to know that they need to be a little bit flexible in their communication strategy because that's all they've got for them right now. <laughs> yeah, I I felt like it was it was points thrown away um i mean a nil nil draw sure okay defensively you've improved somewhat i was surprised houston didn't play better in this game i thought houston's looked really good um i thought the first half there's some great chances for rudy and a few others that looked promising but didn't come off and just like not a bad performance from the white caps certainly a maybe more consistent 90 minutes but just Again, kind of aimless. Um, the the chances that they had just all seemed to go wanting, and, and we're just getting skied all over the place. Um, Dahomey, Caicedo, number of others all had chances go quite wide. Um, 
And I fully expect we'll continue to do this for the rest of the season, where we will draw, 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 lose, lose, draw, lose, 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 win. And we'll just have the same coach through all of that. Uh, Uh, And we'll get just enough points to be not maybe dead last. It's going to be great. um, Ted Seagal, it was a big week for for Houston because uh, um, Ted Seagal, the 40-year-old owner of a New York, New Jersey real, real estate firm, has bought the Dynamo and the Dash for four hundred million. Holy! And at his first uh, his first press conference involved uh, extending Tim Parker. He well, announced that's it. So that was his first sign. his first his first act in office. Well done. <laughs> Can't complain with that. Um, so that's good. The other elsewhere, there's the. Uh, Jamie Vardy, for some reason, is a co-owner of the Rochester Rhinos. Okay. <laughs> this, this MLS uh, Development League is continuing to take steam. We've heard now that um, LA Galaxy, DC, Atlanta, and New York Red Bulls are going to be the only teams that, that keep their affiliates in USL. Hmm. Which is like three of 30-something teams in the USL Championship. But it's only three, I think, of thirteen. It's not very many teams in USL League One, so so that might be a little bit more of a challenge for them. But maybe they can balance it out with some teams from the championship. Hmm. Um, rest in peace, Paul Mariner, um, mm-hmm. the former uh, Toronto FC and New England Revolution coach. Um, that's a that was a sad story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was really unfortunate. Um, he, uh, he had uh, he he was announced that he was dead on July tenth, on uh, at the age of sixty eight, following a short battle with brain cancer. Hmm. He had uh, he was a broad he following his uh, his managing career. He was a broadcaster um, with New England, where he had been uh, the assistant from two thousand four to two thousand nine before um, coaching. Plymouth Argyle and spending two years uh, or spending 2012 to 2013 in charge of Toronto FC. Lots of good memories of him. You you, uh, clearly fondly remembered. Yeah, yeah. And it's always nice when when that is the narrative, uh, when somebody important in the game, like obviously the career speaks for itself, but it's always nice to hear people actually Talk about uh, a decent human being in the legacy legacy that they've left behind. Um, one of the uh, the women's national team um, is in Tokyo, and one uh, one player that's not with them is is Diana Matheson, who has retired. Um, big fan of Diana Matheson throughout her career. The goal against France in the twenty twelve mm-hmm. uh, bronze medal game is is. Potentially, like, one of the most important ones ever scored in Canadian soccer. <laughs> yeah, doubtlessly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, no, I mean, she's just sort of, like, synonymous with our, our national team. And, I mean, certainly, I don't think anyone necessarily thought she would have played this long, but still feels like, ugh, I don't know, are we ready for this? I I got to do a, a meet and greet with her at one of the All-State soccer shows. Um. Oh, cool! And uh, I asked her in your goal against France, you you pointed at the you pointed at something you you 
you pointed at something just before you got the the ball. Do you remember what you were pointing at? She was like, I pointed? I don't know. I was probably just saying there's space here. (laughs) Nothing if not honest. Yes. um, Very, very, very fond memories. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, A couple of other quick little MLS notes. Um, It was announced today that Chris Mueller of Orlando City has signed a pre-contract with a Scottish side. Well, it's an unnamed European side. Many people are suggesting it's a Scottish side. Unfortunately, that probably means Celtic, but whatever. Um, But he'll be leaving on a free transfer as his uh, contract expires this summer with Orlando. So a great step forward for him coming and probably just some real god-awful business from Orlando to be letting that player go for nothing. Um, feels like there could have been maybe a little bit more effort made to capitalize on their investment, but uh, I guess he wasn't a player they bought for a lot of money on the bright side. Tough. It's interesting to see how they're managing this because because they were they, were, they played a lot of hardball with Daryl DK and... Uh, they, they, I don't know if maybe that played a role here in that the player just thought if I can get, if I, if I, uh, if I can make my deal, I'm just going to make my deal. I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to get it to make it too complex. Yeah, for sure. But you know, when you have a player that, um, you know, to extend their contract, it's like, you're not, there's no transfer fee. So even if you're just do it, extending the contract for the sole purpose of negotiating with a bigger side, would you still not make that investment? Like, how how much money is it really? I mean, I guess if you're stuck with him and you got to balance the books, it could be an issue. But still, just feels like not the most business savvy move. But it is great for him. Um, and then we we skipped one important game, which was that Minnesota ended Seattle's unbeaten streak. Yeah, um, just the one goal. Um, Robin Ludd was denied a penalty, I think, but then he found a goal through open play. Anyway, is Seattle playing okay? But um, obviously, you know they're missing some players, and uh, Minnesota just when all gears are turning, as I promised would happen at some point really do look like a pretty incredible team and, and a top contender. So nice. now they just need to do it more often, but that, it was an important win for them. That ball from Hanson just sort of skips off of Yamar's foot into the path of blood at the far post. Yeah. Um, and it's good for them. And, in you know, nice to it's good for them. Nice, it's good for us. Nice to, to, yeah, to poke some holes in the, in the armor of, of, of Seattle up there. We just want to be reminded every once in a while that it can be done, you know? The uh, the 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 other MLS note I have is that All-Star the All-Star game voting ends tonight as we talk. So when you hear this you won't be able to vote on it, but I love the perennial um tradition of voting for everybody but your team's players so that your players don't go and get tired and injured. <laughs> I also, like, genuinely struggle to think of a white cap player that I would name to that squad. Like, if if if, if the criteria is all-star... Thomas Asal! Thomas Asal. Thomas Asal, we're doing it. Yeah. Um, also this week, um, the Gold Cup, CONCACAF Gold Cup, um, has arrived in what I would say maybe charitably is kind of like a... 
um something of a of like a tournament dead zone you know i think that people, after a couple of america and euro people might have been tournament it out a little bit but i think that maybe once the group stage continue you know clears people will be a little bit more attuned to it but it's also a world cup qualifying year and yeah and i i'm sure a lot of I know it matters. It's still an important tournament. It would be important for Canada to win it, but um, sometimes it's hard to feel this year that it's not a little bit like the 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 Algarve Cup for the women's national team. You know, that's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's insulting to the tournament, but it's no. I don't know that, that I'd call that wrong. Yeah, um, I agree. Canada had a pair of 4-1 uh, wins over Martinique and Haiti, where Haiti were missing a couple of players, but still um, Martinique got the first goal, and, and and Haiti looked like they could potentially be pesky as well. Um, before a what I would call a strangely intense one nothing loss to the States, given that the United States were, both the United States and Canada were qualified for the group stage. Mm-hmm. You had this 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 pulsating affair where the the states score on the first just the first minute, uh, which was just uh, just a huge blow. You know, you're barely metaphorically in your seats when yeah. more uh, when more scores that one, and but it really didn't feel like a game where um where Canada was totally outmatched and in by the end of it with a with i think a better second half um i think that they were pretty even uh possession wise the only problem of course was that they were not able to get that goal and this was a a weakened us this was a weakened usa side that that you would kind of hoped that this is something you could get. Maybe the, the, not that you could, this was a, uh, as good of a chance in this tournament, mm-hmm. I think, as you were going to get. Um, you had a bunch of players taking each other out. Like Vines, Sam, Vines has this tackle on uh, Akinola that I thought was pretty, like, scissory. Takes Akinola mm-hmm. out. Akinola is now potentially out for the season for Toronto FC and for Canada. Yeah. Uh, he he is. It's uh, ACL. Uh, it's awful, awful it's for brutal. the player. Um, yeah. I don't think it, that teams. was the intention of of Vines going in, but it's it's not a. It's certainly a. Uh, dangerous tackle for sure. Um, right. Also, it should be known Sam Vines is also going to be leaving MLS. Has signed with a European club whose name I have forgotten. But side note, bye Vines. Um, Kyle Laren left the game with an injury, and now he's out for the Gold Cup. Which to me, again, save him for the World Cup qualifier. That's fine. This is all. This is all an exercise to 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 get everybody working better and, and to get the team in top form in my opinion um yeah. no i agree with that i mean the the akinola one sucks um for sure but Laren, i agree like you know safe Laren for the big tournament there was the the major the other major event in this game you know canada had a bunch of calls that you would think may have been 
could have gone their way and and people were a little scandalized that some of them done more than a uh a penalty a a a thought of penalty uh that was eventually called off where Walker Zimmerman is uh is tied up with the player and uh kind of like is staggering like he's off balance for several steps and then he comes down into the back of uh Richie Larie's legs yeah and it's like it looks like he i guess on on second look like maybe you the intent is not there like maybe you don't think the, maybe people don't think the intent is there and and Larie did have a a a pretty good tug of the arm before that happened and, and, and they were certainly tied up but it was it felt like it certainly felt that you had a player that crashed into the attacking mm-hmm. player in the penalty area you could maybe think of that as being worth a penalty regardless of whether or not there was a foul higher up the play um, yeah. but it was Zimmerman who left and I did appreciate that all the American fans were like, "We have no idea how that was a penalty either." I think yeah. I I felt there was good, at least online, there was good um, collegiality between the two teams. But but this was uh this was one of those ones that was tightly fought. I don't really think they were going great guns on one soccer. Those commentators sometimes they can be. I feel a little a little kind to Canada. Mm-hmm. And see themselves sometimes as the the cheerleaders, you know. Which is important. I mean, we certainly know commentators that just hack teams apart and, and don't can't see anything good on the pitch. But yeah, there's there's a glowingness sometimes that you think is is maybe is a little overly generous. Where right? it's like, yeah, right. Like we're we're definitely better than we've ever been, and we're still not great. You know, like. We're an okay side. Canada it's getting there. Canada no longer the little brother they say on commentary as they're losing one nothing and all of the all the American footage says Canada still the little brother. Yeah, exactly. You know, there, just, is there any better summation of how Canada sees itself against the U.S. like <laughs> and how the U.S. sees us? It's like, yeah, we're not the little brother anymore. And the U.S. is like, okay, little brother, well, have fun over there. <laughs> oh, thanks. I don't go to the zoo. I don't mind positivity, but there's just a there is a a there is a tendency in those broadcasts to be like Canada. This is how you should be feeling right now, and it's like you don't need to. You, you... Yeah, you don't need to explain it back to me. <laughs> well, and they, they'll sometimes talk about like someone like uh, Samuel Piet, who I think is a great player, but like they talk about him as if he's Andrea Perlo, and I'm like, okay, he's <laughs> he's he's not. Um, <laughs> he's a very serviceable, uh, good, get stuck in their center mid, um, and that's about it. <laughs> like, let's. Oh, bless them. Someone's got to do it, I suppose. But yeah, there's times where you're like, are, are we watching the same team right now? <laughs> so the U.S. had uh, the U.S. Had, had stumbled somewhat with only beating Haiti as well by one goal. Um, 
and you had wondered maybe what's next. Uh, uh, are they going to finish? If we had to beat them, had they been sec- would they have been second in the group and, and been on the same block as Mexico? Mexico was also in that situation, having gotten a, a nil-nil draw to Trinidad and Tobago. Um, yeah. But they uh, uh, they did win their final group stage match and will uh, will be will go ahead as top in the group. Jamaica lost to Costa Rica, who will then face Canada after um, a strange incident where the goalkeeper, Lionel Moreira, was sent off, basically came out to challenge against Corey Burke from Philadelphia Union uh, outside the box and uh, got himself sent off. That'll happen. The... I mean, I feel like generally speaking as a goalkeeper, like once you've left your box and you're going charging at the feet of an attacking player, like it's not going to end well. Do you think that it's just like the um, sort of the Kill Bill music is playing and it's like, <laughs> there's the, no um... more judgment. I don't have, ju- I don't have any more judgment to spare on this one. Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, what if he just didn't have legs anymore? That'd stop him running. Execute function. (laughs) Just clean him out. He can't score if he's not standing up. Mm -hmm. It's Brian Ruiz who got the goal on the the 53rd in that game. It'll be interesting. It'll be a nice little uh, little match uh, against Canada. When will that be? That'll be... Um... In the future. Yes. The, all the Gold Cup games are in Google, like Google's little system. Um, but the Canadian Women's National Teams, all the Olympics games aren't. Oh, it's uh, on July 25th at 8 p.m. My birthday. Happy birthday. Maybe they'll do the thing. What a birthday present that would be. That'd be a tremendous birthday present. Um, The... Uh, yeah, so it's it's been it's been good to watch the tournament. It'll be interesting to see if Canada can can do things in it, but it really is something where you it's it's a precursor to something else this year. Yeah, it's good to have more soccer. Always good to have a look at your national team and see how things are shaking out, and also not something you need to be too overly worried about in terms of results. No, you want the confidence to be flowing. That's what I'm trying to say. Oh, I said it wrong, by the way. I said it was Jamaica's goalkeeper, Marrera, which, uh, uh, but it, of course, that's Costa Rica's goalkeeper. So the, the Costa Rican goalkeeper gets sent off and they win the game anyways. Hey, well, it can happen. <laughs> Just ask Kapelhoff. Sometimes you're the weakest link. Until next week, where can we find you online? <laughs> You can find me online at thatsomls.com and on Twitter and Instagram at thatsomls. And you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts at thatsomls. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Where can we find you? You can find me online on Twitter at Team Bates, www.team-bates.com. And until we speak with you next, don't get sent off and have your team play better. And don't, if you're translating for somebody, maybe just focus on that. Do that job first. Or otherwise you might get sent off as well.